0: Good morning, Goddesses! This is Shannon, and I'm your host, and this is the Goddess Morning Show Podcast, where you can tune in every morning for a 20-minute episode to start your day with updates on things that matter to a community of wake and conscious individuals who seek the divine feminine in all we do. We sift through all of the copious amounts of information on the internet to bring you news and information on the things that matter. Tune in to hear about environmental news and book releases, Interviews with thought leaders influencing the awakening of humanity, the moon phases, planetary positions, crystals, herbal and holistic health, guidance on green living, just to name a few. Please remember to subscribe and leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening to now. Be blessed. Namaste. Good morning, goddesses. This is Shannon. And I am your host. We are listening to the Goddess Morning Show. Today is January 15th, 2020, and we are starting the day outright with a look at the news that matters most to us as a community. First up today, we have a look at the moon and the planets. We have the moon in waning crescent phase, illuminated at 77%, still in Virgo. The planets are... Venus in Aquarius, Jupiter in Sagittarius, Mercury in Sagittarius, Saturn in Sagittarius, Mars in Scorpio, Uranus in Aries, and Neptune in Aquarius. Okay, moving on, we have our book release for the day, and that's the Seven Names of Lamastu by Jan Fryes. She seeks to redress the balance by showing that this rebellious goddess, so demonized by superstitious folk and modern academics, is an essential expression of the divine. Lamasdu's numerous but rarely discussed positive attributes bring her into focus. She is a victorious goddess who listens to prayers, haunts both swamps and the mountain forests she loves, vanishes lethal spirits, helps with the birth of wild animals, and adopts stray piglets and puppies. She is a sacred woman, a priestess, and a midwife to her brothers, the gods. It was released January 4th of this year, 2020. And our mantra for the day is on an, Andam. And that's spelled A-N-A-N-D-A-M. And it's to restore inner joy and contentment. I'm gonna pronounce it one more time. An on dam. An on dam. Okay. Now moving into a little talk about the crystal of the day, Moonstone is known for new beginnings. Moonstone is said to encourage inner growth and strength. When starting fresh, this stone is purported to also soothe those uneasy feelings of stress and instability so you're able to move forward successfully. It's also claimed to promote positive thinking, intuition, and inspiration, while bringing forth success and good fortune. All right. Our herb for today is calendula. And it is used medicinally as an anti-inflammatory and a remedy for healing wounds when used in its oil form. Plant pharmacological studies have suggested that calendula extracts have also antiviral, anti-genotoxic, and anti-inflammatory properties in vitro. In herbalism, calendula is in suspension or in tincture is used topically for treating acne, reducing inflammation, controlling bleeding, and soothing irritated tissue. Limited evidence indicates calendula cream or ointment is effective in treating radiation dermatitis. Topical application of the ointment has helped to prevent dermatitis and pain, thus reducing the incidence rate of skipped radiation treatments in randomized trials. Calendula has been used traditionally for abdominal cramps and constipation. And it says that the flowers were shown to have both spasmolytic and spasmogenic effects, thus providing a scientific rationale for this traditional use. An aqueous extract of the plant obtained has demonstrated anti-tumor activity and anti-immunomodulatory properties, as well as it has to be watched because it can cause allergic reactions and should also be avoided during pregnancy. In environmental news on... January 2nd, the Science Daily states that uh, they searched for and found research that can now detect the fingerprint of global warming in daily weather observations at the global scale. They are thus amending a long-established paradigm. Weather is not climate, but climate change can now be... Be detected in daily weather. Okay. For our green living tips today, I wanted to discuss do-it-yourself pet food. And this comes to us from ecowarriorprincess.net. Cans, bags, and other packaging plagues, both human and animal food alike. One way to avoid that for all members of your family is to prepare food at home. Okay, and she says, she goes on to say that if you're lucky enough to live near a farmer's market, you could ask about using the cuts that would otherwise be thrown out, which would make the process even more sustainable. Making good food for pets is expensive and time-consuming, so it's not for everyone, but it's a worthwhile endeavor if you're willing to put in the research, effort, and money. If you're not ready to make your fur baby's entire diet, start with some treats. Meats, cooked eggs, and raw veggies work well. And she says um, it was quoted that a medium-sized dog has a carbon footprint of 2.1 acres, roughly twice the one acre for a gas-guzzling sports utility vehicle driven 10,000 kilometers, which is... 6,214 miles a year, and cats occupy the same footprint as a small Volkswagen, while two hamsters equal the same emissions as a plasma screen television, according to Darcy Matheson in her book, Greening Your Pet Care. Something to check out. Our goddess for the day is Anana. And according to Wikipedia, she is an ancient Mesopotamian goddess associated with love, beauty, sex, desire, fertility, war, justice, and political power. She was originally worshipped in Sumer and was later worshipped by the Akkadians, Babylonians, and Assyrians under the name Ishtar. She was known as the Queen of Heaven and was the patron goddess of the Ina Temple at the city of Uruk, which was her main cult center. She was associated with the planet Venus, and her most prominent symbols included the lion and the eight-pointed star. Her husband was the god Demuzid, later known as Temuz, and her sukul or personal attendant, was the goddess Ninshuburr who later became the male deity, pop I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Our oracle of the day comes again from the Mystical Shaman Oracle Deck, published by Hay House. The card we pulled for today is the inverted medicine wheel. In essence, it is a sacred hoop with the four cardinal directions well marked. It represents the life cycle and the cycles of nature, and the circular patterns of our cosmos. It has been used for millennia in indigenous cultures to bring harmony and well-being to the village. Its directions symbolize the four steps the shaman takes to become a person of power and wisdom. And the medicine recommended by this card pool is that you must not postpone your healing journey any longer. It can be difficult to start. But you must find the inner strength to step into the medicine wheel or you may lose your opportunity. There are many ways and many paths. Choose the one you resonate with most. Once you have found it, the only mistake you can make is not to follow it. So go boldly. All right, and moving into some yoga tips from besthealthmag.ca. The article is by Lisa Hannum. And her advice is for it's expert shares their advice on yo- yoga for beginners. So the first recommendation is to strengthen your wrists even when you're not doing yoga. And it says warm up the joint with a few wrist rolls and flex them frontward and backward. Roll inward and outward with your hands and the fists and practice a few key yoga moves between classes. Planks and down dog poses will improve wrist strength. And it says do this a few times throughout the week, and you'll notice an improvement in your yoga class. The good thing about these exercises is that they don't require a lot of space or time. Do them at home before bed or first thing in the morning after you wake up. Her second piece of advice is to wear yoga-specific Close. Appropriate tops and bottoms are worth the investment for yourself. And it says, because you're on your back and tummy throughout different poses, it leaves leave the complicated sports bras in the drawer. You don't want bra hooks, multiple straps, and rough seams digging into your skin. And while you may think a baggy shirt is more flattering than a tight tank top, Certified fitness trainer, Dempsey Marks, yoga instructor, and author of Pre-Game Fit, disagrees. I don't like the way loose clothing hangs and gets caught on my limbs during practice. The third tip is to eat light before class. All of the yogis we spoke with came back with a resounding eat light response when asked if, we had, if they had a meal before they practiced yoga. A belly full of food can make you very uncomfortable, during various posture twists. Give yourself an hour or two to let the food digest before you head to class. And they gave a recommendation for their favorite light snacks, two poached eggs on a slice of tomato, a glass of water, a bok choy banana blueberry lemon smoothie, a vegan protein smoothie or power bar, And green powders like paleo greens mixed with water. The fourth tip was to drink flavored water. We all know we need to drink more water, and it's also good for the muscles too. But yogis do it right by making their H2O tastier than regular old tap water. If it tastes good, you'll naturally drink more. Some people say they add frozen berries or cucumber. And they also like to keep it at room temperature with a bit of lemon or mint. Sometimes they throw in a spoonful of chia seeds, honey, or stevia. And one person said that they sip coconut water. And the fifth tip was to shut off your mind. Shut your mind off. Easier said than done, right? Well, we've got your back. Here are three ways to stop your mind from stressing and wondering. Slow down everything, including your breath and your body. And listen to the music. And there are times when Dewberry, who's the person talking in this article, says that she has to, when when I walk away, absolutely exhilarated and with a sense of ecstasy following her practice. The second thing was to forget about the idea of yoga. And to recognize the mental benefits of yoga for the whole being and not just the body. It's not a competition. Concentrate and let go of all self-judgment and self-criticism. And also think about your core muscles. Moving with ease from pose to pose and breathing with purpose and on cue comes from a deep awareness of these stabilizing muscles. The sixth tip was to have a yoga ritual. So one person said they take a hot shower and wear a light essential oil before practice and drink hot tea afterward. That's a nice little ritual. Also, one person said afterwards, I love to meditate and visualize expansion of heart and mind as well as integrate the practice with Savasana. Savasana, sorry, I pronounced that wrong. And another person said they meditate in the morning and then practice an hour or so afterward. And also, the seventh tip is to study the pose names. If you want that aha moment of instinctively going from one pose to the other without having to wait for the step-by-step directions from your yoga instructor... Learn the pose names. And she goes on to say, When I was first learning yoga, it was confusing for me to hear pose names in two languages, in English and in Sanskrit. Although the instructions will help you keep your pace, knowing what's coming next is always a big help. Okay, well, that wraps up our show for today. I hope this has been helpful for some of you. And I look forward to coming back tomorrow with a new day full of all new daily information for you. Please remember to like, subscribe, share with anyone you think might enjoy the podcast. And go ahead and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on now. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great day. Namaste.